What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Fudge Muppet. I'm Scott here with Michael and Drew. As always, this is the Elder Scrolls podcast, and today we are talking all about the Daedric Prince Malakath, the uh, god of the orcs, I guess, mm. and outcasts. And uh, which one of you guys would like to take the Daedric Prince of the Bloody Oath, the mm. god of curses, the poopy prince? <laughs> <laughs> he got, he, you know, he's had a bit of a rough go, um, our mate. Because he used to be Trinomac, you know, he was a, the paragon, he was the warrior god of the old Ma. He was, was all about strength, honor, and unity. Um, but then Boethia came along, and we'll get more into this for sure, consumed him, spoke with his voice, and then pooped him out right there in front of all of the elves. And that pretty much set the tone for Malakath's story. Yeah. Mm. So he didn't be. Yeah. So so he didn't begin as a typical Daedric prince. He has an Adric origin. But that is, if you believe all of the stories, like there are some even orcs that believe that they are separate entities and they're completely different. But um, Malakath himself talks about the whole poop story as a little you know, too mm. literal minded. But uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, I'd tell people that too if I was literally eaten and shut out and became a new god. Well, apparently yeah. his followers rubbed the excrement all over themselves to change them. Yeah. Mm. Well, and who knows? I guess we should. We've we've probably talked about this before in the orcs episode, but we should establish that um, Trinimac's followers were elves. Like Trinimac was an elven god, and when he was eaten and corrupted and shout out yada yada um his followers became the orcs themselves and they became the pariah folk so they they are corrupted elf in the same way and intrinsically connected with malakath like he's really important to to orcish culture and he dominates it but um, and interestingly in orcish culture how like you know the concept of maluk i think is how they say it um some people aren't really sure whether or not that's an aedra or a daedra like not Malakath specifically, mm. but Maluk is kind of like a, a kind of in between or some people see him as Adric, some as Daedric. And to me, it just makes me think of how orcs in general, they're kind of the outcast. They're not elves anymore, but they're not men. Mm. They're, they've just been designated into this corrupted state where they're not, you know, always recognized. It is interesting too, how he does kind of encapsulate a lot of um, worship from all variety of outcasts though not just orcs so you know he takes sort of ownership of ogres and goblins and goblins like malakath you'll hear like um all kinds of different names as morlock and malok and, and maluk and malak like you kind and mulak the blue god is i think the goblins one um they all have these different sort of names for what is believed to be you know generally this similar fig- figure but even the reachmen um have some worship of malakath like sort of the outcast elements um and so on but it's uh it's interesting he just likes the ones that it's, are down bad it, it, <laughs> it's one of those things where you know obviously back in those early days it was all about the kind of grand narrative or, or using metaphors to get across a point of what happened to different groups but yeah like the the story of boethia consuming trinomac is a really interesting one it, it gives it gives malakath and the awesome a really good story but then, you know, things like the, the potential relationship between, um, you know, ogres and goblins and orcs, it kind of it kind of makes it a little little more unusual that they, that they almost certainly wouldn't have physically rubbed excrement over their skin. It almost seems like it's a perfect way to kind of discredit or 
um, make a different race look like they're beneath you if you just say, oh yeah, they're all these, you know, they're corrupted in filth compared to us pure whatever elves or dark elves or high elves or um, everyone else. So it is interesting to think how much of it is literal. And even if, even if um, as Malakath says, it's it's not as literal as it as uh, as the stories say at this point does it matter the story has completely changed everyone's perception of you and your people myth makes reality exactly. so if enough people believe he was excreted it's true <laughs> but that is one interesting thing about him is that there's um you know the the he trinomac is the paragon and he's the virtues that are associated with him are strength, honor, and unity, which even though Malakath is now corrupted, he still does embody those principles, but it, it's, it seems to be mixed in with a bit more bitterness now, and it's kind of just devoted to the people who stayed true to him. So if you weren't loyal to Malakath, he he probably won't show honor towards you or doesn't care about keeping unity. It's more about his folk after everything that happened it's an issue too he seems to like relish a little bit more in the sort of the individual pride and honor and sort of like um when i mean the individual like if we're looking at how there's the they've got trinomac and malakath so trinomac typically it's believed that trinomac became malakath but the ones who still worship trinomac and insist that he's a separate being and there's this kind of this kind of idea of like a higher Trinomac that's separate and not like Malakath, this cursed prince, um, usually comes around when the orcs try and build civilization. So generally around Orsinium. It's happened multiple times. Um, whereas Malakath seems like, and all of his Malakath's laws and like how to live your life make the most sense in a sort of like tribal structure that I guess doesn't really have a lot of opportunity for growth. There's a lot more like focus, I guess, on um, principles kind of. Like, you know how they have with like the blood price and the sort of oaths and and they'll have, well, what's the one of the titles? Yeah, Daedric Prince of the Bloody Oath. But he see, it seems very, um, like, I guess you could even use the word like conviction as part of like Malakath's um, sphere. I mean, specifically to his kind of thing, but it's something he seems to, to value and the people who follow him seem to value because whereas other orcs will compromise their convictions or so on to build like a bigger society because obviously the same like you know the the hyper patriarchal sort of multiple the polyamorous sort of lifestyle doesn't really work on a big scale it's not really conducive to have your sons fight against you for the top spot because you're not really going to be able to preserve a ongoing civilization like that um and that's why you could argue that orsinium generally starts shifting towards these other ideas more cosmopolitan ideas and you know things like trinomac worship of trinomac as some sort of you know elven civilization kind of god do you know what i'm sort of saying yeah yeah well th there are a lot of parallels when you look at the way orcs build up their society that it's like you know malakath would have trouble trusting other you know other gods and other daedric princes and it's kind of a it's kind of a case with the tribal orcs that it's all about isolating yourselves from the dangers and and um you know being able to protect yourselves because when you try to if you try to coexist with other groups it always seems to end badly for them and it kind of it's almost like trinomac's followers so now that he's malakath are kind of doomed to always face his fate when they yeah. when they try to kind of become more than just defensive yeah I, I know what you mean it's kind of like you have to be in the in group 
you have to be an outcast. You have to be isolated from society. I mean, even the orcs that leave strongholds to go and live in the city are kind of looked down upon by stronghold orcs. Like the city orc is like a weak, a weak mm. orc to them at least. Mm. You know, like he doesn't yeah. respect that and he wants the orcs to, you know, stay with their culture and stay strong. And I mean, we even see in the Skyrim quest how the chief Yamaz becomes weak and, you know, giants will literally attack because they're not viewed as a formidable force. The orcs, that is. Yeah. And and so you go and help, obviously, Yamaz with the giant and he is a weakling and he tries to betray you and so on and so forth. But you can, you can see how kind of that that orcish culture of needing to be strong needing to be an outcast like you were saying scott it's not really conducive to building a civilization or any kind of change it's static it's static and repetitive and preserving this is the way don't change it and you know even in i think it's oblivion like you need a really low personality or an orc to speak to malakath i may be wrong but i'm pretty sure like you're considered like too beautiful almost to, Mm. to to speak to him I'm not sure if that might be Namira's the beauty thing. Personality, I think, might be Namira. But maybe there is... It does sound familiar if you're an orc. I think you can kind I of think, skip I think there's something. something if you're an orc, yeah. You can... Yeah. Well, that is one thing about him is that it really does seem that bitterness does drive him a lot because, you know, he's obviously considered to be the patron of the ostracized, yeah. but it really doesn't seem to be ostracized people in general. It's more... Orcs yeah, it's and, his people. and goblins and, and ogres. Exactly. Because, you know, if you think about it, like, obviously, other than the orcs, he's not going to favor any elves because mm. they either didn't follow him or they actively betrayed him. And when it comes to humans, when he was Trinomac, he would lead the armies of the elves against Lorcan's armies of men. Yeah. So he's got no love for men either. So pretty much just leaves the orcs. Yeah. And it's I mean, interesting. Sorry, I was going to say Namira lacks all the, the outcasts like it all mm. kind of outcasts mm. and i just wanted to re-clarify i did bring up the oblivion quest here and it does say the beautiful thing um uh, one of the orcs at the shrine will mention that the followers don't like beautiful people and suggests that maybe you can convince malakath that you're not so beautiful or him that you're not so beautiful on the inside so if you have more disposition he tells you they don't like non-orcs and that you should approach the shrine at your own risk. If you're an orc, the Malakath worshippers will be welcoming and you won't need any disposition boosts. But either way, you need the troll fat to activate the shrine. Um, but if you're not an orc, um, Malakath will treat you worse. Like the first thing he says is, oh good, um, nice present from a nice orc too. Double good, orcs are smart, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, oh, he actually says, you know, you want something, you do what the boss tells you. So it's kind of like, you know, he does boss them around. They are kind of his mm-hmm. children in a way. But if you're not an orc, it's just, oh, that's good. Um, even, you want something? Even, if you're smart, you'll do what I tell you. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. treat you the same. Even his presentation in a lot of the mythologies, he is really closely connected to the orcs. So, you know, in the in the songs of um, Wolfarth, you know, he's seen as like fighting alongside the orcs, sort of like as a king figure. You know, you've got, you've got him obviously like post you know with uh, Trinimac and his followers turning into him and the orcs that's that like close connection is there but um there's various mythologies around the place that recognize orcs like you know Morrowind um the Dunmer and the House of Troubles like he's sort mm-hmm. of got this position who sends the orcs to test them for physical strength and to keep them you know what I mean like but 
unlike a lot of chords of madness as well with Shagora. Yeah tricking him into killing an orc and you can really see his remorse when he figures out it's one of his children what well, literally mm. is isn't it like he's i mean you, it could be figurative but i assumed it's literally his son it's like he's oh I, his, I assumed it was just a son as in an orc no, well, it's, it's a, a demi prince called emegro kera yeah. oh so okay, i mean I just that. to provide background on that story so there's this renowned orcish warrior emeg and um shea gorath basically gives him this this sword known as the Neb Crescent. Not Crescent, but spelt the same without the T. And it's like a sword of bloodlust. Like you hold it and it just makes you want to kill everything. And so giving Emeg this sword, he murders a young orc girl in this frenzied like haze and just runs away. Then Shea Gorath brings Malakath to the scene of the crime and says, you know, look at this orc girl because Malakath likes orcs. Like she was murdered and slaughtered. Like, you, I want you to exact vengeance. And he, he convinces Malakath to exact vengeance, but says, you must do so with this sword. And so he gives Malakath a Neb Crescent, and then Malakath, it says, manifested in the direction the killer was fleeing and drew the blade, and which further fueled his rage. And then he just lops off his head. Um, and then he realizes that it's his biological son that he has damned to the realm of the mad mm. god, Sher Gorath. But then you got to feel sorry for Malakath. Sher Gorath comes to the scene to claim the still sentient head of Emeg and the Neb Krezen. Malakath stayed behind and mourned as he heard the pleas of his son being carried off into the distance. That's just heartbreaking. See, it's really? but I like it because it shows. I mean, we always know Sher Gorath's crazy, but it really shows him in more of a dirty light. Like he is just. He's not like a haha cheese. Like he can be like very, very cruel cruel also, just yeah. for the sake of being very cruel what what are you laughing at just, just the way you said ah jeez yeah i did completely cut you off before scott i, I apologize you you were going somewhere else but when i brought up the 16 accords i don't know if you remember um we're gonna have to walk back a little bit go into the, <laughs> into the gray matter of my brain you, you were just talking about how oh i can't even remember i thought he was just gonna yeah, say there, there the story text. i talked about yeah, there are texts that link. No, I was just, I w it was just a broader thing. I was, just, I guess it's just to do with the connection of um, uh, him being a king. It's more like a direct role. And I, actually, mm. here we go. This reminds me of somewhere I was going, but I, I wonder what kind of potential advantages there are. Because if you look at most, for example, Adra for starters are like, you know, sort of somewhat unconscious or not really uh, present in the world. And then the da most of the Daedric princes don't sort of seem to have a, a strong cultural attachment to any one particular prince. Like the closest I can kind of get is somewhat you've got Azura and the Khajiit or even Azura and the Dunma. But like, to be honest, the good Daedra for most of Dunma history um, have just been made the anticipations and the tribunal sort of took over. And you can imagine a lot of the, the good Daedra you know, didn't look favorably upon that. And then that's why the Nerevarine prophecy was made. Like she was sort of angry at them. Um, but, you know, there's there's not really any Daedric princes aside from Malakath that champion like one race's cause over the others because it sort of seems like, you know, most of the championing mortals seems to be a, like an Aedra thing. Like, you know, the elves and their elven gods or like Shore and, you know, the Nords and that kind of thing. Whereas most of the Daedra I've seen is like, oh, I have my own interests in the realms of oblivion and all that. And it's probably because he started off as Trinimac and hence sort of has like an Aedric origin and became Malakath. But it's just, 
I, I, I don't think there is any advantage necessarily because of the structure of, you know, mm. his codes and all that. I, but I it suppose, is- I guess it, it's not just one particular race, but I mean, there are different Daedra that have, you could say favorites only because the race worships them. I mean, look at the Dark Elves and the three good Daedra there. Um, but yeah, they well, are found sort of in same. other, yeah, they are found in other. Well, pantheons. that is an interesting thing about having Daedra who originated as Aedra. Because obviously we know that the Aedra invested so much, yeah. not just of their power, but emotionally in in creating Mundus. Um, and, you know, you could say the same for Meridia. She's got a unique dynamic when it comes to the mortal realm because of her story. But, um, yeah, with, with Malakath, it's actually one I, I was thinking for a while about there's the unusual connection between Malakath and the Dwemer. And it's it's really like figuring mm. out whether it's just a nickname like Jumak Dwarf King, or sorry, Jumak Dwarf Orc, Ju, Ju Malakath are titles for him. Mm. And it would almost make sense if you've got Malakath with his, his grudges against certain races. But the Dwemer, it, we don't really know when they came to the mainland and they might not have been involved on Somerset when Trinamac had his great shame. Could and, have been, um, sorry, go on. I was just gonna, and and it's also the fact that the Dwemer are actively um, in conflict with the Kaima, who Malakath's not gonna like, um, as well as the Nords. So the idea that Malakath would would favor the Dwemer as well as his orcs makes a lot of sense, as if, well as the fact that you got Volendram yeah. that obviously comes as a result of. If, if you want to stretch it a little further too, like you could also say. Um, that the dwarves are somewhat of an outcast race in terms of like philosophy, like kind of being anti-God as in like not recognizing them as gods and sort of bringing that, you know, they're not atheist as an know, but you know what I mean? They're very not, mm. they don't acknowledge the gods as gods, just as, as greater beings and so on. And it's a sort of, that's a very different, yeah, I don't know how that helps. Ma- yeah. I don't know how that helps Malakath or anything in particular, but it does sort of put them as a sort of, outcast position mm. but um yeah it is interesting there's a lots of like because i was considering making a video and, I, and i've gone to and i've gone to look at it a few times and i'm just like there's lots of like happenstance sort of fun fun connections like the volundrang or like the dumalakath or the dumak dwarf orc and stuff like that but i'm like there's nothing substantial enough do you know mm. what i mean like there's too much to show that the dwemer are separate like they're, they're not the same like you see dwemer ghosts we we see a live dwemer jaeger and Bagan. like you know what i mean like there doesn't there's not enough to kind of and in a way the the fact that the dwemer were in a sense a test for the kaima and you know the orcs are considered a, a physical test on the kaima the yeah. dwemer warring with them could even be considered a test so maybe you know, a, a nickname for Dumac would be given there. Maybe he's just big. You know, he's just a really strong or uh, st- sorry, a really strong dwarf. So they call him dwarf or because you know, yeah, yeah, there's a million potential reasons, but no s- really substantiated ones. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's kind of hard to to do it. But may- maybe one day. But I think we need a little more mm. info. And also consider that a lot of like the Dumalakath one for example is from the songs of wolfarth which is from nordic culture which you know they have their sort of uh you know colored opinions about um different races and they're also um they're quite like you know poetic and so on like mm. they do malakath could be kind of be like you know he's similar to orcs and kind of thing like give him that name because of you know, they might just lump them all in as one enemy. I, I don't know, but do you know, you know, kind of getting at like yeah, they're no... just antagonists to yeah. the Nords. 
Yeah, and also, like, you know, I feel like Vivek Almalexia and um, Sotha Sil would know if Orcs and Dwemer were the same thing. Or like, do you know what I mean? This would be um, acknowledged. So, yeah, it's just odd to kind of string them together. But it's interesting. Mm. It is interesting as well how in his code, I don't know if this is just like a projection of what happened to him, but it's very, like, anti-betrayal. Like, if you look at Orcish mm. society, it's very honest. Or it's, yeah. it's supposed mm. to be. Like, it's, it's yeah. very simple. It's straightforward. It's like... Because there's a story of, like, Boethia betraying him in different ways or sneaking up on him and doing this. But, you know, if you look at the code of Malok, it's like, you know, no stealing, no murder, no assault. Um, do forge and blacksmithing. And there's vengeance is required for insulted honor. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of like... It, and the classic, like, um, and the blood price. The blood price. Well. That sounds <laughs> scary, man. I wouldn't want to do that because it's, <laughs> In a way it's, it's based on the victim. The victim decides when they're satisfied with how much blood is spilled. And you can imagine someone who's angry could just be overly spiteful and like, just but, let someone bleed yeah. out hardcore. But you see how they like find, um, they find like honor seems to be a big thing, even in the sense that like, they even, you know, honor people by not, you know, they wouldn't, uh, it's like, degrade them by making them prisoners and feeding them. it's like no you're a you know pay the blood price and do what you you are owe you have to you know you owe someone this but it's not like the sort of um degrading kind of aspect so i'm not going to put you in prison um in a prison yeah it doesn't take right away, away your freedom in yeah a sense, so even it's though something bad's gonna happen but yeah so it's kind of like fair in that sort of sense it doesn't um and you know they're very they see a lot of honor in in um combat and and stuff like that and strength so it's not like a kumbaya fair sort of scenario if you, you no know. i mean they it's it's a very might is right society they settle their disputes with violent fights but i suppose yeah. they're they're upfront about it they don't settle it by coming and killing you in the night yeah but this is this is ultimately i mean i talked about this a lot in the um the Mafala video and like basically why she's almost like a god of civilization but like to actually succeed in you know the the long term to build a civilization um like a big empire or something you need to do lots of underhanded shit you need to be you need to be do, do bad things you know whether it's like you know political maneuvering or assassination and all these kinds of things like everything we live on now is is built on what a lot of people in the past had to do, which was a lot of bad shit, you know? So it's kind of like um, all of that, that very strict conviction, convicted sort of honor bound lifestyle doesn't really help them build a big civilization. It's why they end up in a lot of these like tribal sort of strongholds and so on, because, you know, might make, might makes right is not. I mean, it's, conducive, it's not efficient. You know? It's just not efficient. Imagine if yeah. you have two strong orcs, like they're really, really strong. They're stronger than, I don't know, more better fighters than like the next 10,000 Imperial dudes. But if they're in the same tribe, like say it's father and son, one of them's gonna die because one of them has to be chief. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a mm. massive waste of a perfectly capable fighter who could otherwise have been used, but didn't get to live because he wasn't as strong as just someone else in his tribe. But in the same way too, we should consider too, um, is that it is a sort of altruistic like the wrong word but they do have an interest in the tribe as a whole like the the reason that they insist that the chief has to be tested and has to be strong mm -hmm. and they only earn it and his son has to earn his place is because they maintain a strong 
um, tribe. Yeah, so that it's, it, it's, that it's, it's kind it's, of like, you know, I don't know if eugenics is the right word, but yeah, kind well, of like same- that. It's just like planned, planned, only spreading the best, most powerful genes of, but you know, and based also, on combat purely. <laughs> even so, how like their uh, their old orcs go out to die when they feel they're yeah. no longer useful to the tribe, and in fact that they'd be a burden on the tribe. They're like, no, I'm going to go and earn a, a good death. Yeah, or something. When I talk about them um, wasting a good warrior, I only mean from a purely yeah, a, utilitarian yeah. kind of perspective yeah. like what's what has the most well use? That, that's another consideration as, as a society without employing some sort of effective efficient utilitarian sort of things they're not going to get far because they're still stuck with convictions of of um you know honor and and how things are supposed to go in their culture but then that's why that's why also Asinium, like when it's around like a lot of the the uh, elder scrolls online storyline has to do with like underhandedness and and um the, you know some of the uh, methods that King Kurog was implementing, like they 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 weren't good, and that's why it falls apart sooner um soon after. Yeah, I mean another another big reason, and, and I've talked about this before. I think in why the orcs always lose video, but basically it's like the orcs spread all over Tamriel. Like mm. yeah, there was Orsinian, but they spread everywhere. Instead of oh, where the dark elves or the, the Kaimar, I should say, and we're going to Morrowind, um, or where the mm. Aelids, and we're in Cyrodiil. It's we're everywhere. We're in all kinds of different provinces. And when you spread that far, obviously you have cultural divergence. And when you have cultural divergence, you have all these different beliefs competing with one another when you bring all the orcs together. So you're like, oh, mm. here's Orsinium. A bunch of orcs all come from different places. Like, no, this is the way the code should be followed. No, this is how it should be done. Mm. We should worth- worship Trinimac or Malakath and so on. In a fun way to, like, you just, to throw some like blame around, but like, it was kind of the uh, the regatta's fault and the Yakutans that came in in a big way because um, heaps of orcs lived in Hammerfell because Hammerfell was largely like unclaimed land. At and they would the have time. lived in peace with goblins, right? Like a lot of goblin yeah. can type thing, ogres and goblins. Because and- remember, the founding of Asinium in the first place was caused by the Yakutans coming, wiping out the you know heaps of uh, Hammerfell. Oh, the Yakutans and then the- just killed everyone. And then the orcs had to um, flee, and and a lot of the places they went was High Rock, and then they started gathering around, and they made the first Orsinium, and that's kind of why that they they were there. But tr- true, they were also around everywhere else, like Skyrim and Morrowind, and I wonder, I wonder if there probably would have been some in Cyrodiil at some points. It's hard, it's hard to say because they're, they're such small clans, and oh, and there's Valenwood, the Wood Orcs yeah, as yeah. well. They they yeah. don't seem like very um. Uh, there's the Iron Orcs too, right? Yeah, in Hammerfell. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's not like they really feel like a strong history-based group who would be writing down everything and describing the... everything that, that happens. But at the same time, I feel like they, because they're in such close connection with Malakath and they have such a tight connection with that god and they can kind of hear his words, I feel like they can, he can guide all of those different tribes to a sort of similar yeah. um, thing. Like, Because, you know, they're... It's a pretty straightforward, simple society. Like, there's not a lot of complexity to it. They are functionally just a. But he hasn't really tribe. been guiding them in the best way. If you if you think about it, like the orcs' life is. I mean, you could say it makes them stronger, but you could say that about you know any people who aren't doing well. But um, they're they're not doing well anywhere. The goblins aren't doing well. Like the goblins are a race that mm. constantly gets enslaved and looked down on, and they're kicked out of society. I mean, they can't really function. They don't seem to have the same level of. Uh, I want sentience or I don't know what the right word is but 
the same at the end of the day it just doesn't help that they're so hated because you know yeah. they've they they it wouldn't be terrible terribly difficult for them to come together and agree on things and unify not just in their small settlements but unify together but then the few times they try that because of other circumstances but also because no one particularly likes them they just get rooted out anyway and then they have to start from scratch if you pull it yeah. I, also one thing to consider with malakath and like having bitterness as part of his sort of personality and him sort of um reveling in his role as an outcast or king of outcasts even it you could sort of say too that like it's not his goal to make to create a nor, uh, an orcish super state of Orsini or something like that that he prefers them live as his codes sort of dictate like live like those tribes because to to live you know as this outcasted tribe of mm. of orcs is kind of what he wants to, so it's sort of like they are the mortal orcs are to forever his followers are to forever sort of relive the uh yeah the out to prosper class. would make him obsolete it's, yeah potentially. it's like the parent like unhealthily trying to live vicariously <laughs> through their child they're like no i'm the outcast god you have to stay <laughs> you should be an outcast too to experience yeah. what i experienced because like he doesn't like the beautiful people imagine if orcs became somehow the most prosperous race and like but 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 kind of like they'd have to give up that code just imagine everyone loves orcs orcs take on cosmopolitan values you know what i mean like imagine like they're just super respected and loved for whatever reason they're walking around the imperial city everyone loves orcs well kath wouldn't like that it's, well yeah which, is, which i think is the root no. of the the people in orsinium pushing to neglect malakath and embrace trinamac again is because mm. trinamac is kind of trinamac and malakath as, as i've said before are very similar it's just one has all the corruption and the you know the corruption and the bitterness and and all of that whereas trinamac could easily be their patron in a unified prosperous city but yeah. then you know some people are so staunchly devoted to malakaf because he's been with them through all the tough times that you know they kind of will have essentially wallow together they you know one won't move on without the other mm. yeah. one thing that i find um interesting about malakath is actually i'm pretty sure somewhere he he presents himself as a as a female like with green eyes or something i know it's it's um greg in the greg keys novel so it's atribus and soul were thrown through various realms of oblivion and atribus was badly wounded when going through namira's realm he ended up in a grave void filled with ash and dying saw various visions including one of a doll of himself being stitched up at which point he started breathing again he awakened to find himself in a gray box with his wound healed he was approached by an avatar of malakath who questioned um him to find out his intentions and then the daedric prince revealed himself um is it hold on there is this oh here we go himself? so yeah but there is this um one section atribus's wounds were tended to by an altma woman with pale skin rosy gold hair and green eyes named sihanza who soon revealed herself to be malakath in disguise malakath agreed to help the pair after hearing their story as saul's motivation was revenge which delighted the prince Maybe this is one of his... Source, Lord of Souls. ...was like an awesomer follower before they became corrupted. It's just it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, I know there are some things in like the Gregory, the Greg Keyes novels 
that are kind of out there compared to other Elder Scrolls interpretations, but nevertheless, they're pretty interesting. I actually really want to make some videos where I, I will make like summaries of the books for people as videos. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It'll take, it'll so, take a long time, but like, I think it'd be cool. They're not huge books. They're not, they're but not. I think, yeah. imagine you read a chapter, then you have to summarize it, then read a chapter, <laughs> summarize it, and then, you know. The, um, in that, you know, I mentioned before, and people should check it out if they're interested in it, um, but how the video that I wrote a while ago called Complexities of Mafala, and it talks about how Mafala is essentially a sort of, um, like a kind of a god of civilization or necessary for it and so on. So you can go check that out for the main point. But um, in it, I brought up that Malakast, you know how there's, and this is this could be seen as outdated sort of Daggerfall lore, um, potentially, but you know how they have different lists of like, you know, uh, different David princes they're allied with and so on. And one of Malakath's only allies is is Mephala and, and vice versa. And I was sort of bringing up this idea that perhaps it's kind of like a, uh, you know, a mutual benefit. Like, I mean, Malakath was, could be arguably created by Mephala's treachery if she played a role um, with Boethia in defeating Trinimac and it's coming out. But that sort of... Um, that the, the the orcs that Mufala herself and all her ways helped for the creation of, of sort of civilization, but Malakath's kind of role as creating these outcasts of civilization also provide that kind of like those raiders, those that troublesome kind of stuff, which you know Malakath likes because he's like, oh, they're outcasts. That's how he likes his 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 orcs. Um, and then they're getting stronger, fighting against and you know doing what they do in combat and um, what do you call it, like a not victory, the wrong word. I'm thinking of like, um, like accomplish whatever vi- yeah. military accomplishments. They take pride in it, so they're like, yeah, that's a battle worth fighting. But then fighting against civilizations, which were, you know, arguably created by um, Afala, more so in the in the Morrowinds, the House of the the Dunmer, and so on. But yeah. what I'm saying is that one sustains the other. Having the outcast and an enemy for civilization to fight, um, and then together yeah, they're both benefiting. It's convenient to help teach the Kaima people the the Sidic endeavor to teach them to overcome it's like if you've got the perfect example of what you're trying to overcome and you've got a face you can put to it and a name mm. you can put to it it's it, you can see the goal you can visualize it and you can achieve it so it's almost like it's tactical to create an enemy out of Malakath mm. for the changed ones to I, personify it, it is, their physical test it is, I put it f- so you go I was just going to say, I did put it far more eloquently in the video, so you should probably <laughs> check it out in the video. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, I was going to say it's interesting. Apparently, Azura considers him quite powerful um, from yeah. Elder Scrolls Online dialogue. Um, and you know, the Cold Harbor Compact. There was eight Daedric princes that um, signed that, and Malakath was one of them. Azura, Boethia, Hermaeus, Mora, Hercene, Malakath, Merun's Dagon, Molag Bal, and Shergorath. Mm. created in response to the destruction of Gilverdale by Merlag Bao yeah. to stop Daedric Princes it's manifesting a- on Nern. It's interesting that Malakath was chosen. I don't know if it's just because he has reference in like um, Dark Elf religion and, and stuff or if it's just because he was one of the only ones who would sign it and I mean, he, the other ones he- didn't want to. <laughs> Malakath could be far more powerful than people credit for, but his his uh, convictions and beliefs about how to live life and his sort of bitterness kind of limit him somewhat in terms of like because people the the general assumption is that if it's like oh if the Daedric Prince is powerful then why don't they take over everything but it's like generally they have sort mm. of um, 
beliefs or things or like they have some sort of sphere it's like nocturnal so, nocturnal is considered like one of the most powerful daedric princes but she's not mm. always at least <laughs> trying to take over the world yeah you know yeah um yeah that, at the end of the day all the daedric princes kind of just feel like forces that help to balance everything you know even obviously you have instances where that that goes wrong but i mean like looking at orca which is how the khajiit perceive malakath and it, it's very similar to the to the way the dunma do and it's, it says in the adversarial spirits it's like uh, orca spoke in curses of affliction and knew no other words and his entire purpose was to to test them along the path yeah. up to the heavens and to and to help them kind of stray from it which is it is the case for a fair few princes to the to the khajiit so you know he is kind of serving his purpose even if it's a negative one to anyone but the orcs yeah, yeah. i mean we should also say uh I, I mean we could talk a bit about the blue god <laughs> the, the goblins um yeah they kind of refer to him as this blue god and um they it's the- maluk yeah, is this, this is new, isn't it? There's in, fairly new. Um, there's. I'm pretty sure it's been around, but I know in Elder Scrolls Blades, there's a little statue of two like this um, Maluk, and it's a um, little. It's basically blue. Malakath painted blue. The, the thing I but, don't like is that um, I'm sick of people referring to Creation Club as canon, but mm. in Skyrim Creation Club, they got a, a Goblins creation. And in that, there's a storyline where there's goblins in their fourth era Skyrim and they're worshipping this blue god. But then you uncover that the blue god is just an orc who's painted himself with like a like a blue mushroom fungus paint or something like that. And he's a fake. Yeah. So it's a bit... But like the goblins... Cringe. It's funny because a lot of, elder, uh, a lot of um, the Yakutan mythology and so on refers to it being goblins. And they call it... They use the word goblins for orcs. And apparently, like, the goblins of Hammerfell at that time were much taller and larger. Like, you know, taller than a man, even, and so on, which sounds... And that could be part of the reason, like, in early history. Like, we've talked about this before, but why goblins and orcs might have been conflated... So when the when you know Trinwax followers were turned into the orcs, that they might have been called goblins because they would have looked more similar to the goblins of the first era that were much um, t- taller and so on, um, and then later the goblins sort of devolve and become smaller. Because there is the idea, which I, I know there's kind of contradictions when it comes to this, but it, it's hinted at in some sources. I can't remember the ones at the moment, but the the Daedra generally, rather than creating something brand new from scratch, they kind of take elements of other things and and kind of essentially copy so uh, it would make sense if boethia did actually corrupt malakath and the orcs to look the way they do um it could have just been like oh you know you are cursed to look like goblins basically because yeah, yeah. goblins were a beast race that pre predated this corruption mm. which would obviously lean into the ties between them yeah i mean even but- in game it's interesting but it seems like sometimes um, it's not always the case, but I swear there's in-game stuff about like ogres not attacking um, different orcs and stuff. Yeah, well, like that's the thing too. A lot of the Orsinium original stuff for Orsinium um, has orcs, goblins, ogres, and like that kind of what they call it, like goblin ken or whatever. Mm. Um, so he obviously he kind of likes a bunch of them, and they've they've been seen together. And 
I feel like seeing an Orsinium would be so cool in Elder Scrolls 6. And if they set it in Hammerfell, they can do it because Orsinium is in that mountain range. And like having a place where you would just see like ogres and goblins and orcs all together. Like maybe you can only interact with the orcs, but you're just seeing like, you know, ogres moving stuff around and like... Mm. Uh, just I just cool. I just have to check. I'm not 100% sure if it's true that they don't attack orc NPCs. I have a feeling it could have been the fact that the orc NPC was a vampire and that they're like, oh, it's just another gross creature like type NPC and we're on the same team. I don't know. I'm only speaking on Oblivion because I've just done a whole bunch of testing and things get very strange. Well, we can start talking about um, his, some of the artifacts and also his realm, but I guess we'll just start with the realm because that's easiest, but it's it's the Ash Pit, which is a place of dust and smoke and anguish and betrayal more all more things that sort of sound like bitterness but in the center there's this sort of ashen forge which is his own stronghold in the center of the ash pit and the orcs that you know live a life according to malakath that's what they're gonna you know they're gonna end up dying and they're like yes i get to go to it's the like their sovereign guard and they yeah. all have they're all a chieftain they all have a thousand wives and they all just fight and drink and party and do what orcs See, and, want and, forever and I, I guess that kind of uh, death, like death would be a lot less uh, scary for them and also not being a chief in life or something or not being able to have a wife in life if you weren't the chief. Seems a little bit better if, at least in heaven, when you do die, you do get yeah. to go to the Ashen Forge. And- yeah, it's like the quintessential stronghold for them. That Instead of enemies outside their, their walls, it's just smoke that will kill you anyway. So stay <laughs> inside your stronghold, stay unified inside your stronghold. And yeah, everyone gets to live the perfect chief or whatever lifestyle they want within it. So mm. it sounds awful, but to to them, it's probably quite nice. Yeah. And, and I'm, um, I'm not even kidding, by the way, just so everyone knows that. That whole thousand wives and everyone's a chief thing, that's for real. And every wife yeah. has a thousand slaves to cater for their every need. Mm. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is interesting actually to note, and I think again this is one of the the novels. Um, but there are some areas that are safe for mortals to go. Um, apparently, Prince Atrobus Mead and Saul were taken by. Um, oh no, Malakath! Hold on, they found a garden of slender trees and quote vines festooned with lily-like flowers. Wound about the trunks, a multitude of spheres moved deep in the colorless sky, as distant and pale as moons. The garden seemed to have some emotional significance to Malakath, who describes it as a shadow of a garden and an echo of something that once was. Which is kind did, of did interesting. Did they need some kind of spell to let them breathe there? Or was it just, just said that they could go there? I think it was an area where they could where they could go. But generally speaking, you do need levitation and magical breathing. Um, mm. It's cool that they keep the... Uh, in the mages... There's an item in the Elder Scrolls Online where they actually keep some of the ash pit... Um, like vapor in a little vial. It's just cool. Yeah. And that, that actually ties into one of the artifacts, uh, the brutal bands, um, which are like uh, basically just heavy iron rings. And when you put them on, it's kind of like the Neb Crescent. It instinctively curls your hands into fists and you can hear the sound of distant drums and crashing steel. And um, it fills you with bitterness. And obviously you can imagine fighting with them. You'd be really powerful. But apparently it's like a like a phone charger, like a wireless one. You put the brutal bands in dust in like this ash while you sleep to charge you, it with energy from the ash pit. You know, it's a crazy 
kind of funny thing because I hear all this bitterness and so on. I'm like, it sounds like it just sounds so sad. And it's also like most orcs are incels. Like they 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 literally like only the chief can yeah. go at. So they kind of, you know, it's kind of like I'd be bitter too. <laughs> well, if they if like the thing yeah. is, is that afterlife is confirmed real in the Elder Scrolls universe. So. They'll mm. get the last laugh when they've got their thousand wives in the ash pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's move on to the Daedric <laughs> artifacts, the other one. Let's let's just talk about Volantrung real, real quick, which is like, it's not really his. He's claimed it, but it's like, it, its origin was a, it's a Dwemer hammer created by the Dwarven, um, the Rorkin clan, which are the same ones that, you know, the legendary story where they throw the, the hammer and they're going to, go to where it lands um, and settle where it lands and that's why you get Volenfell and hence Hammerfell. Hammerfell the name so uh yeah that's the that's the hammer and it's had various effects there's nothing crazy right it's like oh paralysis in was that in oblivion paralysis oh let me check I can't remember I know it's just stamina drain in Skyrim's one was the worst Skyrim. it looked really yeah. cool although I'm still on the fence about whether I prefer it looking like dwarven or just daedrified but um yeah in oblivion it was paralyzed for three seconds and drain health five points for 20 seconds which is total of 100 damage which is pretty mm. strong um but he's also i, he's I don't also... like skyrim's effect which like you it's absorbed stamina so it's it's useful for doing more power attacks but it's nothing you can't put on an enchanted weapon yourself i also um he's also credited is the third credit to the the savior's hide um having Potentially, in some stories, it's accredited to him. And why? I, well, I'll prefer her scene story, but I do actually like that. And I hope in the future games he does get a bigger arsenal because I, as the sort of like you know smithing kind of vibes of the orcs and so on, and he has the ashen forge. I hope he actually does have have a bunch more weapons that are accredited to him and and different armors because it kind of just fits his. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It fits his sphere. So I kind of like that. There's a bunch of different. Things you know, in that... Morrowind, Volandrung doesn't even have an enchantment. It's just a unique looking warhammer oh, that's, right. that's strong yeah. but to be fair um it's unrelated to his quest you just find it in a chest in the corpusarium bowels beneath telfir near yeagram yeah. bagant's platform yeah. so i don't know you could almost imagine like when he gives it to you because it's not inherently daedric if we believe that it's what well, it is it's dwarven imagine when malakath gives it to you he kind of enchants it then and there so it's like the yeah. one in morrowind i'm just head cannoning some stuff you can imagine it's just in a chest there's no enchantment on it it's yeah. just chilling the um there's also the helm of Oren Bearclaw which is credited to him but that's only if you believe it was not the performance of uh Oren Bearclaw but instead his orc friend Karag Grogar uh maybe don't know mm. <laughs> cool the, the, but, uh, just real quick, the Volandrung effect in Daggerfall was also paralysis and vampiric touch. So, yeah, but Scourge, I think, is is the one of the uh, artifacts that's sort of most closely kind of like makes sense with his uh, his sphere, I guess. And also, it's it's cool to have an artifact that is just solely his. It wasn't claimed by yeah. anyone else, or and it disputed. does sound cool, like forged yeah. in the in the fires or fountains of Fickle Dyer. It's mm. Do we know anything about Fickle Dyer? No. Mm. Just sounds cool. Just sounds cool. But like it just <laughs> it it just adds more mystery of like there's gonna be or there could be more stuff about Malakath to learn. Like that the Ash cool. Pit's not as straightforward as people may think. It's cool that just Scourge sort of 
you know, it's a, there's a little bit of like Adric heritage there, and at least and it like banishes um, Daedra. That being one of its yeah. sort of effects is kind of a cool like. Do you know what I mean? Like a little, it could be a little bit of Trunimac into Malakath's personality, anti Daedra, I guess you know. But um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to add about Malakath? He who was birthed from an anus. <laughs> he stinks. <laughs> Smelly boy. Because <laughs> um, we've talked about the whole transformation story like so many times. Yeah. I don't know what else there is to add. Like, we get it. There's poo involved. It's like <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, I don't know what. I don't know what to tell the people. Yeah, no idea. Did we talk about Savior's Hide? Yeah, yeah, I just mentioned it's it. It's just kind of, yeah, throwaway thing. Yeah, to me, that's way cooler being her scenes. It makes more being, sense Him ripping well. his own skin off to give it to someone who escaped his realm is way more hardcore than Malakath making it. Yeah, plus there's two out of the three stories are her scene based and it also just yeah. m- sounds right. Yeah. just feels right I, I can't see it relating to him in any way like what's Malakath about it yeah just like anything I guess he could like vaguely connect himself to a bunch of things like he, if you smithed a bunch of things you know what I mean like if he made the like oh, or yeah I guess so I suppose but like yeah yeah but yeah alright um, ladies and gentlemen that was Malakath and this was the Elder Scrolls podcast with Scott, Michael and Drew and we'll be back to nerd out with you again next time